The theme for the Church of God in Christ for this year is Christ's extreme sacrifice calls for our extreme commitment. Christ's extreme sacrifice calls for our extreme commitment. Would you say that to your neighbor? Christ's extreme sacrifice calls for our extreme commitment. And the text verse that we've selected is 2 Corinthians 5.14. 2 Corinthians 5.14. For the love of Christ compels us. The King James Version says, constrains us. Because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again. That those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Individuals who have made extreme sacrifices, extreme commitments, and radical departures from the norm have transformed the world. I'll say it again. Individuals who have made extreme sacrifices, extreme commitments, and radical departures from the norm have transformed the world. Extreme people have brought about extreme changes in the world. There are a host of highly motivated entities and groups in the world today. They exert and exercise tremendous influence on the attitudes and behavior of people around them, and the impact of their actions and their mentality has had and is having a transformational effect on the nature and on the quality of life. Osama bin Laden was born in 1957. His father was a billionaire who had gained his wealth through massive construction projects. Osama inherited $20 million and received an allowance of an additional $7 million per year. He was raised to be a devout Sunni Muslim. He strongly hated the materialism and the moral practices of the United States. He strongly hated Jewish people he hated Christians. He hated Shia Muslims. That's probably somebody else I didn't mention that he hated. But he dedicated his life and fortune to developing an army of militant terrorist soldiers who would fight against those enemies that I mentioned. Though Osama bin Laden was wealthy, he lived like a nomad sleeping in caves and 
sleeping in tents and being ejected from one nation after another that he might pursue his cause and accomplish his objectives. On 9-11-2001, 19 of his men on a suicide mission boarded four separate airplanes, flew two of those airplanes into the World Trade Center in New York, one of them into the World Trade, uh, two of them into the World Trade Towers, one of them into the Pentagon, and the final plane crashed while on the way to Mid-City, Washington, D.C., possibly to target the White House or some other critical target. 3,000 people died on that day, and over the years, hundreds of thousands died in other missions and conflicts in which Osama bin Laden was probably involved. One evil, deranged man who was highly motivated has had a devastating impact on the world. At his urging, young people are even now trying to travel to Arab countries to volunteer for suicide missions and to fight with ISIS and Al-Qaeda and the Taliban. He died on May 1st, 2011. But the world still reverberates from the impact of that one evil, extreme life. Bill Gates makes $100 a second. Every second, he makes $100. His net worth is $80 billion. That's $80,000 million. He dropped out of Harvard to start Microsoft at the age of 20 years old. On the year of his 23rd birthday, Microsoft made $2.5 million. A short time later, Bill Gates created the software MS-DOS and licensed IBM to use the software in each of its computers, and he sold licenses to other computer manufacturers also. Microsoft went public in 1987 to $21 a share, and one year later, the stock was selling for $90 a share. He became a billionaire at 38 years of age. He is an extremely highly motivated individual who has had an impact on the world. Martin Luther King, Jr., whose birthday we celebrate, the third Monday of this month, was a highly motivated and an extremely committed individual. He was physically assaulted. He was ultimately assassinated because of his commitment to freedom and to justice. Annual national holiday is proclaimed in his honor because he was a highly motivated extremely committed individual. Bishop Charles Hasson Mason, founder of the Church of God in Christ, 
was a highly motivated and an extremely committed individual because of his stand against war, because of his stand against the bearing of arms, he came under the scrutiny of the FBI. Because of his preaching crusades, he sometimes faced jail in towns where they did not want him to preach. The Church of God in Christ stands as a beacon light proclaiming the significance of his ministry. Individuals who made extreme sacrifices, extreme commitments, and extreme departures from the norm have transformed the world. The Apostle Paul was a radical evangelist for the Lord Jesus Christ. He's well qualified to talk about effective service and productive service, for he was a tireless evangelist. He was ready to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. When other so-called religious leaders tried to discredit Paul and reflect upon Paul and tried to diminish and minimize his ministry, Paul responded to them in 2 Corinthians 11 and 16. And let me quote the whole passage of the Apostle Paul as he answered his critics and he said, I say again, let no one think me a fool, if otherwise, at least receive me as a fool, that I may boast a little bit. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Jesus Christ? I speak of a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons more frequently, in deaths often. Of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been drifting on the deep. In journeys often, in pleasure, perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold, in nakedness, and besides the other things that come upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Paul gives us a narrative of all the things and many of the things, he didn't talk about all of them, that he went through as a servant and a follower of Jesus Christ. He was extremely committed to his task and his life story indicates that. And his letters comprise a significant portion of the New Testament, ultimately because of his commitment Paul was executed. He was killed for his faith. He was a person of extreme commitment. In the text chapter prior to the text chapter that I've already read to you, Paul gives us insights into the dynamics of his commitment. How did he develop this commitment? 
how did this commitment express itself in his life? Well, he gives us in 2 Corinthians 4 and 1 an explanation uh, and he speaks as though and because how, as if we all have had the same experience that he has had. And he says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 1, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we've renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. There is here the sense that God's mercy and God's grace in giving him a frail, uh, a frail human a part in God's ministry and a determination to walk in integrity and ingenuousness. As we've received mercy, having received this ministry, we walk in integrity. We walk in genuineness. We want to be for real for God. And it was God's mercy that we were called into this ministry at all. Then he says, since God picked us out for this, we're encouraged that when God gives an assignment, God gives us the ability. Since whatever God has picked you out for, God gives you the ability to perform that assignment. And then he goes on in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. And he says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We're hard pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. We have this treasure in earthen uh, vessels. Listen, it's not the package, it's the medicine in the package. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The medicine was the gospel that God had given and committed to Paul. The package was a human body. Listen, give men the medicine and God will do the rest. And understand that it's not you. You're just a package. It's the God in you. But then also understand, according to this passage, that you always have something left. Paul said we're hard-pressed, but we're not crushed. We've got something left. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We've got something left. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Uh, you always have something left. God gives you strength to endure, and you can make ex extreme commitment because you'll always have something left. As long as God is involved, you never really run out. And then in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, preceding chapter, God says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Some of you are not the woman that you were at the beginning of 2014. You're not the man that you were at the beginning of 2014. Physically, you may have declined, but spiritually, you don't have to decline. You can always increase more and more. Every day. Are you with me? And then he said, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Listen, whatever you're going through, 
it's, a, it's, it's, it's no great big thing. It's, 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 it's a light affliction. It's, it's a light. Tell your neighbor, it's a light affliction. And then it's only for a moment. But the Lord says it's working for you. Oh, that, that trial is working for you. That, that hardship is working for you. That, that burden is working for you. It's a light affliction only for a moment, but it's working for you a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Paul says we're on our way to heaven, and that's why we can take what we've got to go through on this earth. Is anybody on your way to heaven? Does anybody want to see God's face in peace? Hear God say, well done. That's where we go through trials. That's why we can go through tribulation. We can go through hardship because we know the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Hallelujah. And so there's a sense of God's grace and mercy in giving us a part in the ministry and an opportunity to work for God. Listen, I can be extreme because this is not the main event. When it's over here, I'm going up there. Is anybody on their way up there? <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus believed in heaven and hell so strongly that he died to get us to heaven and keep us from going to hell. And listen, I believe in heaven. I believe in hell. And I believe that this is not the only life I'm going to live. This is not the very place that I'm going to be. When I leave here, I'm going up there. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 and 6, so we're always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, yes, well, pleased, rather to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. Folk who are not going to keep their promise usually get scarce when the due date comes near. I said, folk who are not going to keep their promise are real hard to find when the due date comes near. I'm going to pay you on the 15th. Around the 10th, you can't find them anywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But 2 Corinthians 5 and 5 says, He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. And so God says, listen, I, I, I'm going to transform my children. The mortal is going to put on immortality. They're going to be caught up to, with me, to, 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 to be with me in the air, and to be absent from the body is to be present with me. Now, Holy Ghost, you go down there. You're going to be my guarantee that the promise is going to be kept. And when you show up, they're going to know that, that, that I'm around. I'm with them to keep my promise. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When our loved ones who are believers die, we stand around the physical body feeling sorry for them and sorry for ourselves, but their spirits are already in the sweet presence of the Lord. They're already enjoying the presence of God, the power of God, because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, if that's not enough to enable you to commit to God, do God's will, and live this life with joy, knowing that you've got another building, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, that ought to make you glad. That ought to give you some joy. You ought to be rejoicing in God. If you miss me from praying down here, come on up to bright glory, I'll be praying up there. If you miss me from singing down here, you can't find me nowhere. Come on up to bright glory. I'll be singing up there. Is anybody on their way to heaven? 
Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 and 1, if this earthly house or this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And I can be extreme down here for God because this is not the main event. When it's over down here, I'm going up there. If I don't get paid off down here, I'll get paid off up there. Just one moment in God's kingdom will pay for it Oh, if you intend to go to heaven, clap your hands one more time. If you intend to go to heaven, you don't get so hung up on things down here. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. The angels beckon me through heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Go ahead and do what you're going to do. I'm on my way to heaven, and I'm mighty glad about it. So against the backlog of all of these assurances and all these stepping stones to commitment, the Apostle Paul says in the text, verses 2 Corinthians 5, 14, for the love of Christ compels us, constrains us, compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died, and that he died for all. And that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and who rose again. Listen, the Bible time and time again proclaims that those who don't know Jesus Christ are spiritually dead. If you're not saved, if you don't know Jesus, you're dead. The Bible says in Romans 8 and 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And Ephesians 2 and 1, Paul said, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and in sins. Paul remembers the day when he was dead in his sins, dead in his trespasses. He thought he was doing God's will, bringing glory to the name of God, when in truth he was fighting against the very work of God. He had no clue regarding the work and the will of God. And Paul actually was fighting the church, going into towns and into cities and arresting believers and confiscating their possessions and throwing them in jail and tearing up the church. He actually fought the church and participated in the murder of Stephen, who was a deacon in the church. Listen, a person who is spiritually dead is unresponsive to God. He's doomed in this world and doomed in the world to come. A person who is spiritually dead is sentenced to death and is waiting to be executed. If you don't know the Lord, you are spiritually dead. And God has no place, no role, no function in guiding and directing and controlling your life. And Paul says, without Christ, we are all dead. Ephesians 2, 1, verse uh, 2 verse 1 through 3 says and you has he made alive who were dead in trespasses and in sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath as were 
others. But thank God, God had a remedy for us. First Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And Paul says, of whom I am chief. He said, I'm the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But as low down as Paul had, had been and as terrible things as Paul had done, Jesus came into his life and turned his life around. Jesus, the Son of God, died for our sins and arose again from the dead. And he did it because he loves us. Jesus loves you. You remember that little song? Yes, Jesus loves me for the Bible tells me so. John 15 and 13 says, Greater love has no man than this, than that a man would lay down his life for his friends. That's what Jesus has done for you. And there are no words that one can speak. No level of eloquence, no action that one can initiate, no gesture, no gift that's as forceful as one laying down his life for you. Militants die for their God. Our God became man and died for us. And he said, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Jesus Christ died as our substitute. A substitute has to, number one, be innocent of any sins himself. If he's not innocent himself, he's dying for his own sins rather than the sins of someone else. But not only does he have to be innocent, he's got to be worthy because this is not the death of one man for another man. It's the death of one man for all men who have ever lived, who live now, and who will live in the future has to be worthy. Sacrifice has to be related. There's no good to sacrifice bulls and goats and heifers for the sins of men. They've not sinned and they can't atone for our sins. If men have sinned, a man has got to die. Thank God Jesus met all the conditions. He was innocent. Did no sin. Neither was any guile found in his mouth. He was worthy. He was very God very man, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He was worthy. He was related to us because he became wrapped in flesh. He came to his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even as many as believe on his name. Thank God for our innocent, worthy, related Savior, Jesus Christ. Clap your hands and give praise for him. So Jesus came all the way from heaven down to die for us. It was not an impulsive, rash action. It was planned from the foundation of the world. Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It was determined that he would give his excellence for our pitifulness. It was as if a man wanted to help dogs. But he could not help them because he could not understand them. They could not understand him, could not relate to them, could not be with them because he was a man. But he became a dog that he might live like a dog, listen like a dog, think like a dog, deal with the predicament that dogs dealt with. And 
And if you think it outrageous to think that a man would ever stoop so far as to do that and that if he would do so, he could not do so, then understand what a step it was for the divine son of almighty God to forsake his throne in heaven and come all the way from heaven down to die upon this earth of ours to live in poverty, obscurity, and in pain to be ridiculed and rejected by men, to be wounded and beaten and buffeted on our behalf. Thank you, dear God, for your amazing grace. God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The condescension of Jesus from heaven to this earth was greater than any condescension that we could ever conceive, even a man becoming a dog to help dogs. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. The Apostle Paul reflects on this sacrifice that Jesus made. And in Philippians 2.5, he says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant, coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the... Listen, if the Son of God could humble himself, what's your problem with all your pride and haughtiness and nose in the air? Hallelujah. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on the earth, those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus came all the way from heaven to die for us. He sacrificed to die for us because of his love for us because of his concern. And not only did he die, but on the third day morning, he got up out of the grave. He arose from the dead. Jesus is both Lord and Jesus is King. Hallelujah. Jesus died for us and he rose again from the dead when nothing else could help. Love lifted us. Scarcely for a righteous man would one die or for a good man some would even dare to die. But God gave his son and Jesus gave his life while we were yet sinners he died for us and transformed our life and that love that he had that commitment that caused him to make that sacrifice ought to compel us it ought to constrain us it ought to cause us by force uh, of our own emotion and our own heart to submit and to relent in our waywardness, in our willfulness to do the will of God and the will of Jesus Christ. We should not henceforth live to ourselves, but unto him which died for us and rose again from the dead. The Jesus who gave his life for us expects that we ought to be willing to live for him. His extreme sacrifice calls for our extreme commitment. Osama bin Laden could find 19 men who would go with him and get on airplanes and fly them into buildings and die. 19 men voluntarily decided to die that day. I'm wondering, can I get anybody? I'm not going to ask you to die. I'm going to ask you to live. How many of you will live for him? Do his will and walk 
Is there anybody who's decided I'm going to be a radical for Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. He needs some radical followers, some radical servants. Listen, I had a friend by the name of Henry Wilson. We were boxing one day as boys. And some kind of way, Henry stopped boxing and started fighting. He was hitting me upside my head. And his blows were hurting him. I thought he was playing and he was fighting and I was playing. But listen, you cannot be radical for the Lord if the devil is fighting and if you are playing. And listen, another thing you need to know, before you fight somebody, find out how badly they want to win. If they want to win so badly they're willing to die to win, you better get out of the way because you're going to be defeated. The Lord Jesus is setting up his kingdom on the earth and he needs some kingdom followers, some kingdom servants, some kingdom obedient individuals who will submit to the lordship and the kingship of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he said to us in Matthew 6:33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. It's time to make an extreme commitment. Not a casual commitment. Y'all not going to enjoy this today. An extreme commitment. We need to make an extreme commitment to holiness. I said we need to make an extreme commitment to holy living. We need to make an extreme commitment to do the will of God and obey the voice of God and walk in the will and in the way of God. Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians 7 and 1 says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Jesus died that we might be holy. She shall bring forth a son who call his name Jesus. He'll save his people from their sins. We should make a commitment to holiness. If he could die on a cross, then at least we can say no to the devil and live according to the will of God. Amen? A commitment to holiness. need to make a real commitment to love God and to love one another. John 4, 7 says, 1 John 4, 7 says, let's love one another. For love is of God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And this in this, the love of God was manifest toward us that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. And in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Listen, a few folk who say they believe are really not, not willing to make an extreme commitment unto God, really not willing to say, Lord, I'm going to live for you and anything I can do to bring glory to your name, Lord, I'm going to do it. But God is looking for some extreme committed servants. Can I talk to you for a minute? If Osama bin Laden can get 16 folk to die, and we can't even get folk to pay tithing, we can't even get folk to live right, can't get folk to make it to church. We can't get folk to witness and 
to win souls for Christ, how are we going to win against them? If they're willing to die, and we're not even willing to go out of our way to get somebody a ride home after church, to encourage somebody who needs a prayer after the, the service. Are, are you with me today? Uh -huh. God said to the church at Ephesus, I've got something against you because you've left your first love. You don't love me as, you, as much as you once loved me. But I want your love to be fiery and hot and, and intense for me. I want you to love me as much as I love you. Listen, God wants your love. And we ought to make up our mind, Lord, I, I love you. I, I love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. I love you, dear Lord. I want to serve you. I want to do your will. I want to bring glory to your name. I want, to, I want to love you. I want to let you know that I love you enough to serve you and to die for you if necessary. Lift up your head and say, Lord, I love you. I love you. Said to the church at Laodicea, I wish you were either hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. And because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. God wants some believers, some saints who are on fire for the Lord. Is anybody in 2015 making up your mind that you're going to be on fire for Jesus? You're going to serve him with everything you have within you? Hallelujah. There's a promotion on the other side of your commitment. There's a blessing on the other side of your commitment. There's something that God wants to do for you that he's not going to do until you make a commitment to him. Are you with me? Daniel made a commitment and he got promoted. They told him, Daniel, stop praying. Daniel said, no way. I'm going to pray every day three times to my God just like I did before. Well, Daniel, we're going to throw you into the fire of furnace. Do it, but I'm not going to stop praying. You ought to say to the devil, come on, but I'm not going to stop praying. Daniel prayed in clear view of everybody. He was thrown into the lion's den, but the lions couldn't bite him. They couldn't scratch him. They couldn't attack him. Daniel said, lay down, I need a pillow. Lay down, I need a footstool. In the morning, he got up. Came out of the lion's den saying, King, live forever. Everything is all right. And Daniel got a promotion. His enemies were trying to destroy him, but his enemies helped him get a promotion. Listen, your challenge is going to bring a promotion in your life. Radical. Radical. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego bow down. The music is playing. The image has been lifted up. Shadrach, Meshach, and said, Abednego said, we're not going to bow to anything except the living God. We're not going to serve anything but God. Somebody in here needs to make up your mind, 2015, I'm not going to bow to anything but the living God. All over the kingdom, folk were bowing down. Three boys were standing up. They tied them up. They bound them. And they threw them into the fiery furnace. Stayed there for a while. The king came back to see what was going on. He looked in and said, Did not we throw three men bound into the fire? I see four men loose, walking. Oh, I bet go might have had a bad one. And the king
king stepped back. Said, didn't we throw three men bound? But now I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire. And they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Listen, your trial is going to set you free. Your child is not going to hurt you. You're going to be walking in the midst of your fire. And when you step outside, you're going to get a promotion and go higher than you've ever gone. Come on and give God praise. Give him glory. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Oh, I got to say this. And so they took three men out. Somebody said if there were four men in there, why didn't they take four men out? They only took three men out, but there were four men in. Well, the fourth one, that's Jesus, decided I'm going to stay in here. So when Charles Blake gets thrown in here, I'll already, when that one gets thrown in, I'll already be there to take care. Be not dismayed, for the appetite God will. Come on and praise him, praise him. Praise him. Come on, make a commitment. Make a commitment. I know you've made your New Year's resolution. I know you've said you're going to do this, you're going to do that. But you ought to lift up your hands and say, Lord, as for me and my house, we're going to serve you on the other side of your yes. There's a blessing. There's a miracle. There's a deliverance. Make a commitment. You're going to praise him. Make a commitment. You're going to thank him. Make a commitment. You're going to believe in God. I believe God. I trust God. I believe that God is going to bring me out and bring me over. All right. Tell two people I believe God. If you believe him, you'll serve him. If you believe him, you'll praise him. If you believe him, you'll thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Stand up and give praise to the Lord. Christ's extreme sacrifice calls for our extreme commitment. It's on the outer edges of life, the trials and the tribulations and the storms of life, that God shows up like he's never shown up before. They that go down to the sea in ships who do business on great waters, they are the ones who see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. You're not going to see anything until you get away from where you are. Get on the ocean with the Lord. Step out by faith. Get in that predicament where if the Lord doesn't help you, there's nobody else there to do it. When God finds you trusting in him, I see you going higher and higher. 
Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. All you need is just a few. You don't need everybody. If you can just get a few folk who will say yes. If you can get a few folk who will make the commitment, we'll turn this town upside down. Right side back again. Help us to be committed. Help us to love you. Help us to follow you. Come on and tell God yes. Come on and tell God yes. Someone in the house needs to accept the Lord as Savior. You need to have your sins forgiven. You need to be sure that things are all right between you and God. Jesus made provision for your salvation, for your fulfillment. He made provision that he could be present in your life in the midst of everything to help you live in victory and in power. He died for you. If he loved you enough to die for you, you ought to love him enough to live for him and to accept him as your Lord and as your Savior. I want to pray for you. Confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. You shall be saved today. Jesus Christ is going to come into your life. Every sin you've ever committed is going to be forgiven. And you're going to get on a journey of commitment and joy that you've never thought you'd be able to go on. God will take you to levels inconceived and ever, never thought of by the mighty power of our God. If you're here today and you'd say, Preacher, I do understand that the love of God is infinite toward me. I've disregarded it, neglected it. I want to give my life to God today. I want to be saved. I want Jesus to be my Lord, my Savior. I don't just want to go to heaven. I want to do something great for God right down here on this earth. If I'm talking to you, I want to pray for you right where you stand, right where you are. Every sin you've ever committed can be forgiven right where you are. Your life can be changed. Jesus Christ can become your Lord and your Savior. Every head is bowed. Everybody is standing, please. Everyone is standing. If you would say, preacher, pray for me. I want Jesus in my life. Lift that hand. Hold it high. I'll pray for you right there, right there, right where you are. Lift that hand. Preacher, include me in this prayer. I want my sins forgiven. I want to be sure that things are well between me and my God. Dear Lord, I pray for those whose hands are lifted, and I pray even for those who should have lifted their hands but did not do so. Thank you that you brought them to your house this day. Thank you that you did not lose patience with them, but you kept them alive, and you protected them and sustained them until they could come this day and receive your salvation. Perform your promise in their lives. Save them by your power. In the name of Jesus. Every sin they've ever committed, forgive them, dear Lord, and draw them to thyself. 
in the name of Jesus. Say this prayer after me, everybody. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me for the wrong I've done and the wrong I have been. I want to be saved. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died for my sin. I believe that he arose from the dead. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And I thank you, Lord. I am saved. I am forgiven. I have new life. Praise the Lord.